When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. We're back. Well, hang on one sec. I'm going to have to change for this one. We're back. And uh, it's a special two-parter Black Monday episode of Draft Vice. And you know why it's a two-parter? Because uh, who would have thought you had to be wearing these colors for Black Monday, right, everybody? Or should we say Orange and Brown Monday? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'll hold the applause. Dude, I, I, I'm just going to spend like basically a half an episode or an episode on just the Browns because the Browns have gone bananas, everybody. So right off the bat, Browns, end of the season, before you even get to the end of Sunday night, fire Freddy Kitchens. Kind of expected when a three-game uh, three losing streak at the end of the season didn't look like he was able to control the team, didn't look like he was able to manage expectations. Uh, as a play caller, he looked a little outmatched. As a coach, he, as a head coach, he seemed to have way too much on his plate and wasn't really good at delegating, refused to give up play calling duties. And we saw some stuff in game that made us think, okay, like, you know, I get it. Maybe not the best coach. Maybe he'll grow. And I thought I saw some development with him. You know, uh, I think part of the problem was, is like you walked into the year, they didn't have as good of an O-line, right? They lost Zeitler to a trade. And, you know, you're not going to get the exact same results as you did last year. But, dude, it just seemed like nothing was lining up. All the receivers are lining up incorrectly. Like, this is bad. If you can't even have a coach to get their receivers to line. Like, I don't know if that's on the players or on the coach or just like, he could not manage the personalities on the team. This was something that a lot of people said they thought would happen. I was, I'm an optimist. I thought, hey, you know what? Uh, you know, good players, good team. We saw something at the end of last year. And this is what Dorsey probably thought, too. By the way, we're going to get to Dorsey. Dorsey no longer with the team either, right? Browns, Browns fired Dorsey. Browns fired fucking Freddie Kitchens. Um, I think there was a lot that went into this. I think the the firing of Freddie Kitchens made sense. The hiring of Freddie Kitchens made sense, right? You walked into the, a bad coaching, like a bad head coach season where it was like, okay, there wasn't a lot there. So it made sense. You know, if, uh, you know we saw some improvement. Uh, it didn't make sense to the sense of continuity when you looked at it. Like, okay, they said, oh, okay, we're doing this for continuity. We saw some results with Freddie Kitchens as the OC. We're going to expand his role, and we're going to give him a lot of support staff. A lot of guys who have previously had head coaching experience or, or uh, OC experience. Todd Monken, OC in Tampa Bay a year previous. Uh, I, it just didn't seem like anything was fully working, right? It was, you know, the, the special teams did well. Uh, but, you, you know, it seemed like uh, just nothing was clicking, that uh, Freddie was taking on too much, didn't want to delegate uh, duties, was kind of like, hey, I'm I'm the coach, I want to be the play caller. And like on the one end, I get it, but he didn't handle it well. Uh, you saw a lot of tempers flare at the end of the season. And I think the most telling sign was a lot of the players didn't come to his defense at the end of the season to try to show support and be like, hey, Freddie should be back. Or, you know, we believe in Freddie. And it, it seemed like there was always, a, you know, people were talking about a discipline issue. And I, I don't think you necessarily see that with the penalties. Uh, but I think with fighting, um, you know, in the off season, there was questions as to that. And I, listen, end of the day, it didn't work, right? Uh, he was. It, they went six and ten. It looked like you know it was better than you know one and thirty-one. It was better than Hugh Jackson, you know, running a bad team. But 
I mean, I don't know what Hugh Jackson would even be able to do with this team because we never got to see it. I'm not, I mean, that's not a defense of Hugh Jackson. But we also saw, you know, what we saw last year wasn't necessarily there this year. Part of it was, again, like I said before, receivers were lining up incorrectly. The offensive line was worse. Uh, you know, you had to manage bigger talent and bigger names. And it wasn't just like, you know, Rashard Higgins and Antonio Callaway and Brashad Perriman, who all of a sudden went on a three or four game streak of being a great receiver because there was nobody else to throw to in Tampa Bay. So... It made sense. Freddie Kitchen's firing made sense. You were saying, listen, you know what? We got a short window. Uh, it doesn't look like there was any growth. Like, if he had won at least two of the last three games at the end of the season, it would have made sense. Had they gotten Nick Chubb the rushing title? Everybody keeps talking about that. I don't even think that's that big of a deal. You know, I, I would love to see Nick Chubb get the rushing title. Who knows if he would have gotten it either way. But, you know... it with 13 attempts in the game against the Bengals, a team that has one of the worst rush defenses. Like, they didn't play against teams' weaknesses. And this was something that was said by Jarvis Landry. Uh, Jarvis Landry had some of the best quotes about it. You know, you need somebody who demands respect. You need somebody who's going to play, and who's going to respect the team that they're playing against. We saw this all the time, right? Uh, gave players a, a, day of, you know, a day off after beating Miami when they were going to go play the Pittsburgh Steelers again knowing that you were now going to be playing at a handicap than you did the, the last time you played them. And you're going to be playing in their stadium. And you're going to be playing against, you know, they're going to be coming out and not wanting to lose. You know, they, they probably had some personal feelings with it. And you should, you know, I, I think, you know, how that game was handled and wearing the T-shirt, right? Pittsburgh started it. Not even just the T-shirt, but how he handled the, uh, the response to it. Like, hey, like, do you think that was a bad idea? Would you do it again? And he doubled down. On the one end, I don't hate on him doubling down, but to have to answer for it, to you know, for your players to have to answer for it, like it just looked bad. It looked bad both on the you know wearing it and on the doubling down and saying you do it over again. And honestly, like he just, oh, it, and I I actually like the guy. I think a lot of people like the guy. I think you know a lot of the players like the guy. But I think at the end of the day, you know, uh, you have to lead through example. You have to be playing to your team's strengths. Um, you know, I know, and this is something that, like, you know, Jarvis Landry was saying, oh, you, you know, he believed in plays, not players. And on the other side of that, listen, man, like, I think that's where Freddie Kitchens has to, I think that's where Freddie Kitchens made a mistake, is I think they, they lean too much on believing that, you know, Odell was going to pop up and be this extreme star, uh, that, that you, you couldn't go ahead, like, that, yeah, that's what managing personalities comes in. Like, and I think the one problem was, and, I, and by the way, when they hired Freddie Kitchens, there was no Odell, right? Uh, that's one of the things I think that people have to pay attention to is there was no Odell when Freddie Kitchens was hired. That was a trade that happened later on. And it looked like a great thing. But, you know, when you have this star receiver who did so well in one of the biggest markets in the country, and then he's, he's not doing as well as a player on your team, well... It's not going to look well. It's it's going to, you know, hey, wait a second. What's going on here? Our team's not playing well. We got a star receiver. We also got Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry had a good year this year. You know, and I, I predicted that he would have more of an Adam Thielen role to, you know, Odell Beckham being a Stephon Diggs kind of player. Like, they would both be great receivers, but I think that the benefit of having Odell is that he'd pull away from Jarvis and vice versa. Like, it would create this gap in defense. And also, your third guy would probably be helped out as well. So, I, there was some effect to that. There was some extent to that. Um, 
we saw a, a good run game, but they wouldn't stick with it, right? It was a, hey, we're having success with this. And a lot of times, like, even with the success of it, there was a lot of red zone qualms, right? There was a lot of issues in the red zone, a lot of play calling issues, uh, a lot of, uh, like, you would see success with something one week, like where they had the two backs, you know, when they got her Kareem Hunt, and they had Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. And you had this two-back system that worked. Like, it was great, and it was useful, and then they didn't use it the following week. And, you know, I thought maybe they were trying to keep that in their back pocket and use it for certain games and not ha not be able to be schemed against. I thought that was a great thing. I thought, hey, you know what? You don't have to use it every week and utilize it when you need to. You didn't need to utilize it against the Miami Dolphins. You didn't need to use utilize it against the Steelers because you killed the Steelers the first time. So maybe save it for the second time you're playing the Steelers. And they played well against Baltimore. They had a lead against Baltimore. And I think the games that kind of showed that uh, Freddie Kitchens was not growing was the Arizona game, which not for nothing. That, against Arizona, we had a, a destroyed defense, right? And not for nothing, Arizona's defense kind of came on a little bit better as the year went on. Uh, you know, Patrick Peterson was back from his PED suspension. Uh, they had Chandler Jones, their, their D-line was showing a little bit better, you know, Hassan Reddick was playing a little bit more comfortable in their defense, so I'm not, I, I honestly don't think that, like, a loss to the Cardinals was that big of a deal, as much as it was the, a lot of the, f just, the stuff going around it, and, uh, you know, how, again, the second Steelers game was handled, and just, they, they, they pissed away a lot of potential wins, like, when they were ahead, and they just they let guys get back in games. They let other teams get back in games, and it it just looked so bad. And it just it, it takes so much away from like like oh wow like we we can win. like I remember watching a lot of these games and being like oh we're not gonna win, we're up but we're not gonna win. We weren't gonna beat Baltimore. They're gonna destroy us. Even though like Wilkes would get that defense working, that that defense would actually show up for a good like twenty five minutes without Miles Garrett, without Olivier Vernon. Like, you had a lot of, uh, and even in the beginning of the year, right, the defense showed up without our top two corners. Like, if anything, it's showing me is that, like, also, so we're going to get into the part with Dorsey, right? But it, it showed that they didn't really do enough. And in the beginning of the year, they weren't using a lot of motion. They weren't utilizing uh, players. And part of that is, listen, if you're going to have guys, if you're going to add motion to the to your, your play calling, right? And you're going to go ahead and add some pre-snap motion or line up one way and switch out to another way, like starting the a single back and then move to the shotgun. You need guys to be comfortable with the scheme. And then, like, they would do it, and guys wouldn't line up correctly or they wouldn't set correctly. And this would happen so much. And this was, you know, maybe it was proof that maybe not everybody knew the playbook. And, hey, sometimes it takes time to learn the playbook. Like, we saw this with, uh, with Green Bay. We see it. We see it all the time. Now, Green Bay, luckily, like you know, their their defense was in their second year. A lot of them, uh, their run game was spectacular. Their O line had been there. A lot of their O line's been there for a while now. So uh, that's you know, and you have Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams played out the you know played out this year, and they they were both spectacular running backs. Compared, but you know what? Not for nothing. Same thing with uh, Cleveland. They got great running backs. They got great receivers. Their O line was a big misstep, and that's where we're going to get into John Dorsey. So, Freddie Kitchens is gone, right? And the list of head coaching candidates that came out, the interview requests have been out the window, right? It seems like they are interviewing everybody. They inter they requested from Matt Rule, uh, Baylor head coach. Uh, he rejected them. He said, "Listen." 
I'm going with New York. If, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to at least, I'll go to New York because I'm from New York. Uh, you know, he's willing to listen to the Panthers because the Panthers look like a little bit better of an organization, at least so far. Tepper looks like he's a better owner and he hasn't been in the league that long. So, Matt Rule is out on Cleveland. A couple of other uh, head, na- head coaching names have been thrown around, though. Kevin Stefanski, guy who was in uh, the finals last year for the uh, Browns uh, head coaching gig, right? Uh, I think Stefanski is a good pickup. And uh, he was a big fan. Uh, he had a lot of fans in the building. Was, uh, I, I, I'm not quite sure if Andrew Barry was a big fan of him, who was the guy who was in Cleveland's front office and then went to the Eagles last year. But we know DePodesta was a big fan. We know there were fans in the building of Stefanski last year. Uh, there's also Mike McCarthy, right? So Mike McCarthy, former Green Bay guy, you know, a lot of Green Bay guys in the building. Maybe still, we don't know. I don't know if there any news came out about Elliot Wolf. But as you may know, uh, John Dorsey is no longer with the Browns. And I'm going to get into John Dorsey in a second. That's a bigger question mark slash fish to fry, right? So uh, there's Robert Sala. In fact, they have three head coaching interviews out in San Francisco. I think part of this is might be to gauge how some of these organizations are run. Like you might use these, like, uh, you know, a lot of times I've seen this happen where they, they might interview an assistant coach or they might interview somebody who might not be up for the head coaching gig, but maybe to see if maybe they're a potential OC in the future or a potential OC now, see how what their job is in the organization. Like, oh, what is a passing game coordinator when the, the head coach calls the plays? Uh, Mike LaFleur or Mike McDaniels, both uh, the assistants to, uh, to Shanahan, who are, who are both uh, up for head coaching interviews, along with Robert Salo, the D.C., over in San Francisco. Uh, so I, those guys are getting interviewed. I'm not quite sure any of them are real candidates. Some of them might be. Some of them might not be. But we have three assistants in San Francisco. San Francisco has a bye this week, so it gives them the opportunity to interview them. Uh, a big name that's getting floated around, Josh McDaniels of uh, Patriots and Denver fame. Uh, I'm not quite sure how everybody feels about him. Uh, that His... It, his potential to be the next Cleveland head coach might be one of the reasons why Dorsey was let go or why they were pushing for a different uh, front office structure, giving DePodesta some some uh, control. Uh, some of the other names that have been put out there, Eric Bieniemy from Kansas City uh, has been floated. Now, John Dorsey was ousted out of Kansas City, so we have no idea how that went about. Um, we You know, the thing is, so with John Dorsey... We don't know how his involvement in the Cleveland front office would was affecting head coaching hires, right? Like, you don't know if people were like, listen, we know he wants to have a bigger say as a, a, as a GM than most teams might be willing to let happen, right? Most head coaches want some control over the roster. They want some say. Um, they don't want to be pushed to have to play certain players like – Hey, Richard Higgins is pretty good, but we're not playing him for half the season. I wonder if that's just because uh, Kitchens got a call from Dorsey, and he's just like, well, uh, Dorsey's my guy. I'm going to stick with it as well. So a couple of other names that have been floated out there, and we'll come back to them later on. Um, The big ones are Stefanski, McCarthy, Josh McDaniels, Eric Biennemi. Matt Rules turned them down. Uh, Greg Roman of the Ravens. I'm not quite sure if they're really pushed 
to go ahead and go with him or not. Uh, he, I, I'm interested in him uh, because of what he's done with Colin Kaepernick, Tyrod Taylor, and uh, Lamar Jackson. But you would need a team that's willing to build around a quarterback with that system, or you need to find out whether he's willing to go into like if he has. You know, he's had some success with other quarterbacks as well, but those are the guys he's had the biggest success with. So, you know, I don't know if that works in Cleveland. I don't know if he's going to go a different route in Cleveland. We'll see what happens. Um, but it's good to interview people. I know Martindale, uh, the DC in the for the Ravens, hasn't been linked with the Browns yet. And we're gonna connect. You know, we'll do some more name connecting when we get to the rest of the Black Monday firings, the oddly named Black Monday. Uh, but I want address. I want maybe do just a Cleveland Browns episode, just because of how crazy everything's been with the Cleveland Browns. And I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, so I have I'm very much tapped into it. And this is one. You know, we're seeing also, and I'm getting into this now. The Cleveland Browns have parted ways with John Dorsey. This is the bigger shock, right? Nobody went into this offseason going like, well, they can't keep John Dorsey. And then the rumors started to flutter, right? Oh, uh, well, they might want to change the way the, the front office is set up. And Dor John Dorsey's had some misfires, right? Uh, the biggest one's been the offensive line, right? He had Zeitler, Treader, and Betonio. The great interior and they were one of the reasons why Cleveland had success at the end of the year last year. Now, they trade away Zeitler. Now, they had drafted Austin Corbett with the top pick in the second round last year. And the, the thought was going into the offseason that Austin Corbett was going to probably be the next man up. Maybe he's shown something in, in the building. It doesn't seem like he did because they traded him away this year for a fifth rounder. So, you missed on a top pick in the second round for a guy who you didn't even keep more than a year. And, yeah, he's starting on the Rams, but he started a few games on the Rams because the Rams have nobody. And the Rams have been very hit or miss on the O-line. Really, their O-line's been trash, and I think I, I was calling that out in the offseason too. So he's better than the worst guy on the Rams. Not saying much. Worst interior guy on the Rams. So... That was John Dorsey's first misstep. Is he got you know he didn't really address the O line for the last couple of years. Greg Robinson looked like he had been serviceable, pretty decent at left tackle. Hubbard's been trash at right tackle, right? In fact, they played Kendall Lamb a couple weeks ago in a spot start for Chris Hubbard, and he played better than Chris Hubbard. So it really made no sense that they were even continuing to play Chris Hubbard. And in fact, Wyatt Taylor had one of his best games in that game with Kendall Lamb at right tackle and. I don't know why they didn't continue with that. That's another thing. Yeah, he wasn't act great at run blocking, but at least you were getting something with him, and you can build around it. Uh, Wyatt Teller, one of the guys who have finally been the replacement at right guard. Uh, you know, there's been multiple players who've gone in at right guard so far. Uh, you know, it started the summer with Austin Corbett and Eric Cush, an offseason signing. Eric Cush is kind of, and he even started the, the year uh, they also traded for Wyatt Teller at the beginning of the year. Wyatt Teller started playing about halfway through the season. And so it, it, the O-line's looking a little bit more structured, right? Maybe they can go into this offseason and fix it. Get rid of Hubbard, get rid of his contract, uh, you know, try to re-sign some of their guys. One of the big problems with Dorsey has been his his reliance on his guys and not liking past organizations' guys and going – and trading them away for peanuts. You know, you saw it with Ogba. You saw it with a 
a few other players, but also like you know, not for nothing, Sashi didn't hit on every pick. This also happened when he was in uh, in Kansas City, but not for nothing, that experience with those players. You know, Terrence Mitchell's been a good player for the Browns, so it, it comes out today that the Browns wanted to change the organizational structure. Right? They want they were going to Dorsey to say, "Hey, we want you to take a step back. We want a new GM to come in." And this was never going to happen, right? But they want, and I understand where they're going with this. Like, hey, we're getting a new head coach. We want our head coach and GM to be on the same page. And we want them to feel like they are going towards the same direction on everything. It it makes sense. You see it in uh, in the Buffalo with McDermott and Brandon Bean. You see it over in, in the Patriots organization. Everybody's on the same page. Uh you see it with San Francisco. Everybody's on the same page. We're all doing the same stuff. We're all addressing the same issues. We have a strategy. We're all in together, right? Makes sense. Um, but what doesn't make sense is just kicking him out the building, right? Uh, he got you Odell. He got you Olivier Vernon. He got you Sheldon Richardson. He's been much better in free agency than he's been in the draft necessarily because, you know, you lost. He missed out on Austin Corbett. Chad Thomas is probably a service that will back up. But he really, you know, he was a third-round pick that they took. And I wasn't a big fan of him in the third round. There were other guys there who I liked. Um, I wasn't totally against Austin Corbett, but I was more of a fan of Harold Landry in that range. Uh, I did think that, I didn't think it was a bad pick at the time, though. And I think a lot of people didn't think Austin Corbett was the worst pick in that in that spread of picks. But I think there were other people who were like, but, like, I like Denzel Ward. I, you know, I like Baker. I like Nick Chubb. I didn't think Corbett was a burner of a pick. Uh, and, you know, Chad Thomas, you know, I do think that. I don't know if it was a miss. But they also hit on Jannard Avery, which I think another thing is they trade Jannard Avery away this year. And that was the thing I don't, I don't get is he would build – like he, he didn't believe in depth at a position. Like, oh, I got to keep building depth, but I'm going to build it through – like, oh, okay, we got, like, a, f- a future fourth-rounder for Jannard Avery, who we drafted in the fifth round last year. I'm like, you drafted him. You developed him. Like, I don't know. I liked Avery, I, and I, I think he played well last year. I think especially when Miles Garrett uh, was suspended, I think that was a big deal. I think that, you know, you could have used an extra pass rusher who was homegrown and developed and maybe could have helped with uh, – but he traded away Ogba. He uh, cut Caleb Brantley, which Brantley wasn't that big of a deal anyway. Brantley hasn't done anything. Uh, you know, it, yes, Dorsey's had some missteps. They really didn't address the offensive line. Uh, trade away one of their best pass-blocking offensive linemen and has put Baker kind of more in a risky zone. Uh, and, and again, like, you know, Greedy, you know, looking at his most recent draft, though, yeah, you didn't get any stars, but you got a lot of good players. You got... You know, Sayon Takitaki, who started playing towards the end of the year, and I think he's played pretty well. Uh, you got Mac, uh, Mac Wilson, who's played pretty well as a weak side linebacker. Uh, the big question's been, what's he going to do with Schober? He re-signed uh, J.C. Shredder to make sure the O-line didn't get, like, screwed up more, which I think was smart. But what are you doing with Joe Schober, the guy who's kind of the quarterback of the defense, make sure everybody's in their spots, like, that was a big deal. Like, and they, you know, I, I like what they did with Randall. He's the guy who got him Randall. He got him a lot of talent. He got them Jarvis Landry. He got them Odell. It was his connections with David Gettleman that got them Odell. This is why a lot of people are looking at this firing and going like, what the fuck's going on with the Browns? You guys are insane. 
Yes, we get he made a misstep. He hired Freddie Kitchens. Could have went a totally different direction. We gave him full control over the coaching search, and he he screwed up, right? Didn't go with a, a veteran head coach. Uh, went with a guy who wasn't even thought to be in the head coaching circuit, right? So he clearly didn't have all the connections and really understand. Like, he wasn't – like, the, the thing with the, the NFL is a lot of these guys know they're going to be head coaches sooner than, like, I know their name or you know their name. Like, they're, they're – listen, like, hey, he's – you know, they're paying attention. Oh, I'm an assistant to the head coach. Or, you know, you're, you're getting prepped. Like, last year – like, hey, what if he had hired Bruce Arians? I don't think Bruce Arians would have been much better – but, again, it seemed like everybody, from everybody involved, it seemed like Dorsey wanted a head coach that was a pushover that he can control. And that ended up biting them in the rear, right? Like, okay, well, he couldn't demand respect from the players because he didn't really have, like, that, that personality. He, he wasn't really ready, right? He went from position coach to OC to head coach in one year, right? That, you know, even if it happens, it doesn't happen like that usually. Like you saw with Zach Taylor over in uh, the Bengals, right? He, was, he wasn't even an OC. He was just uh, a QB coach. And I honestly think that might have been the worst hiring of last year. So don't even complain about that. Although, listen, they beat the Bengals, beat the Browns. I think that's the thing that, that sealed Freddie's fate, really. At the end of the year, it was not just your loss to the Cardinals, not just your meltdown against the Cardinals and the Baltimore Ravens, but losing by double digits to the Bengals, who are the number one pick in the NFL draft this year. Now, granted, that could be a benefit in the long run, because now you got the number 10 pick in the draft, and you could spend that on an offensive tackle, because there's about three of them that are probably worth it in this draft. So, uh, but I don't think he did it on purpose. I don't think he, he lost on purpose. I think this was just bad coaching. Everybody gave up. The whole defense gave up. They don't have Miles Garrett until next year now because of the suspension. Uh, Richardson, I like how Richardson came on. I like Sheldon Richardson. I thought that was a good signing. So you look at it like Dorsey screwed up in 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 retaining Kitchens and saying, "Listen, I'm going to go with you." And, and he are the argument for keeping Kitchens made sense at the time. I said it before. You're trying to keep continuity. Only problem was you didn't keep most of the coaching staff, right? You got rid of nine. I think it was three coaches stayed overall so it really didn't make too much sense like it wasn't like it kept the whole coaching staff you kept freddie kitchens a receivers coach and maybe one other assistant coach and everybody else was gone so that's a big that's a big change it was a big turnover even still a lot of guys you know he came in with todd monken's uh playbook or freddie kitchens playbook i don't even know because i'm not in the building so now we look at it the team goes all right Haslam goes to Dorsey, says, hey, we're going to change the, the front office structure. We want you to kind of be like more like the, the person in charge, like you're a VP scout, a VP of personnel kind of person in the, the building. And Dorsey's not going to take a demotion, right? He's, you know, I was like, listen, I, I got you all these players. I screwed up. I didn't fix the O-line. Give me one season, I can fix the O-line. That's all I got to do. That's, that's what I got to do. I fixed the O-line. We're all good. We are a home run team. They have, few, they have a few more holes than they did a year ago, though, right? They could have traded for Vernon. I, I don't know if it was on the table, but they probably could have traded for Vernon and not traded away Zeitler, right? They didn't. They definitely didn't have to do it for Odell, right? Although that might have been like the sweetheart poll. It's like, hey, you're going to get a better O-lineman. We're going to get a receiver and a pass rusher. Like, it, it, it works both ways. Like, you'll be able to work your way through it. You can't just case your whole team and not give you anything. But without properly addressing it, 
it became a problem. So, is that enough, though, to lose out on, uh, on, like, uh, he missed on Antonio Callaway, he traded away Gennard Avery, he traded away Alston Corbett, so he missed on Alston Corbett. So there was one draft where he had a bunch of assets, but I, I feel like your first draft coming in the building is always going to be the harder draft, right? Uh, you, you're not always working with the same scouts you're typically used to working with. Uh, it just didn't seem like, you know, you're... so he, he, he fizzled away some of these assets. They're like, listen, you know, we're close. We know this team's close. We don't want more assets to get diverted. What, what if we like change the structure a bit? New guy comes in, he picks his GM. You kind of stay in as a scouting role. Dorsey says, no, nah, I'm, I'm out. If you're going to do that, I lose my power. Uh, to dictate things, I'm out, you're out, we're done, peace. And that's what happened. So now the belief is, is that whatever coach is coming in, whatever GM is coming in, they're coming in together, right? And they're coming in with a united front. One of the guys pitched right now, Andrew Barry, previously part of the Browns organization, left to go work for the Eagles last year. They're looking at maybe him coming back and being the GM, and he's potentially tied to Stefanski. Josh McDaniels has his guy. Uh, David Zeidler uh, is potentially the guy who would come over with uh, Josh McDaniels. And uh, Mike McCarthy might be tied to Elliot Wolf. I don't know. Like it's, uh, I don't think Alonzo Highsmith's going to stay. Uh, it's potential that uh, Elliot Wolf would stay. There's potential that, you know, it doesn't sound like Dee Podesta's even taken over football operations, so I'm not quite sure how the whole front, the new version of the front office would have looked. But overall, it just kind of looks messy, right? The whole thing looks messy. And the whole general system of this has been messy. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to expect going forward. I guess it comes down to we'll see what happens with the coaching search. Uh, if they go with Stefanski and Andrew Barry, I don't feel totally bad about it. If they go with Mike McCarthy, I feel pretty good about it. Uh, and I wasn't a big fan of McCarthy last year, but I think McCarthy has shown a willingness to grow a willingness to develop, a willingness to change up his play calling. Like you said, like he, he spent time with PFF this year. He spent time uh, working on uh, developing how they're going to you know, deal with mechanics. And I think he's the guy who would help fix Baker, help fix the system, would probably keep uh, uh, camping on as an O-line coach. Uh, I don't know if he would keep uh, uh, Wilkes on as a D coordinator. And Prefer's been the best part of this whole Freddie Kitchens experience. Like, if you lose him, like, that's a big deal. Like, that's, a, you know, you your special teams has been crap for, like, five years going. And now all of a sudden you get a special teams coach who turned everything into gold, turned them into a top six special teams system. Like, yo, whoever's coming in has to at least think about keeping Prefer. And potentially Wilkes, because Wilkes got these guys to play. And it also shows that defenses, like, you know, once they're, you know, teams are in their second year of the system, they do develop a lot, so there is a benefit to keeping Wilkes around. There's a benefit to some of these guys sticking around. comes down to what head coach gets hired. comes down to the guys who come in, whether they have their guys or people that they want to stick with, or whether they're going to go, listen, I'm, you know, y'all pound salt, I'm going to do my thing. So, I don't know. It, it's been a weird year. It's been a very cluttered year for Browns fans everywhere. Uh, it, you know, I think the Odell thing and Baker Mayfield having 20 commercials and and just uh, all the attention and all the, the primetime games really didn't help. And then there was, I felt like every week it was a controversy. I feel like 2019, it was like, we're going to go out with this decade with a bang. So happy new year, Cleveland, uh, another head coaching hire, another new thing. 
another new deal. I don't know what to think. My personal preferences, like I said before, I'm I'm much more leaning towards the McCarthy Stefanski thing than the Josh McDaniels situation. Because I like Elliot Wolf, I like uh, Andrew Barry. I I feel like too much would change with a Josh McDaniels coming in. I, I'm a little bit more worried with that concept. I know the the ownership is a little bit more pushed to go in that direction. If they do, they're probably going to go against their own people's uh, their own uh, analytics department anyway. So I don't know. I I think it's I get it. Everybody says Cleveland's a dumpster fire, and honestly, they're trying to prove it. I think at this point, I think the Haslam's are. Or a joke, and now maybe they fix it, and they say, "Listen, you know what? We're going to keep some continuity. We're going to keep Elliot Wolf, and we're going to go with Mike McCarthy, or we're going to go with Andrew Barry, who was really part of the last five years, except for this year of the structure, and we're going to get Stefanski, and we're going to go in that direction." And if those are the two options, I like those. I'm not a big fan of going with McDaniel's. So, Cleveland Browns. Let's hope 2020 and the uh, and the Browns in the future have a little bit better of a future. Maybe 2020 is the year for the Browns, you know, with Baker, with Miles Garrett, with Sheldon Richardson, with Olivia Vernon. Let's hope these guys stick together. Maybe the, maybe this saves Petonio as part of the team. Like, you know, I maybe maybe this keeps him in. Uh, we'll see what ends up happening. Thoughts and prayers, I guess. Uh, follow Draft Vice. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, follow follow the, the podcast at DraftVice on Twitter, at DraftVice underscore football on Instagram. You can follow me at Brojo Death Punch. That's B-R-O-J-O, Death, and then Punch. We're on the same when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I'm about to pass. I'm about to pee.